Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories from type 1 diabetics all over the world. And I'm very excited for my special guest today, uh, Courtney Lillick, uh, calling from California. Courtney, how are you? Good, thanks. And I'm really excited we were able to get this uh, get this on the books relatively quickly as well, which is, isn't always the case with me. So uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, it's uh, it's been relatively pain-free so far. Yeah. And I apologize for stuttering. I'm like loaded up on caffeine this afternoon. I was running errands. Very productive today. So hey, it's uh, a Sunday. That's how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> so Courtney, uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of a background on you and your uh, sort of T1D journey and how you ultimately ended up being on this show? Um. Well, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes when I was about three, and right now I'm 34 now. So I. I don't really know anything else other than having type 1 diabetes. So I've been through the whole the whole journey of, you know, ups and downs and, you know, the insulin, the pricking myself, my parents chasing me around with to do injections, and now I'm on an insulin pump, so um, I have that. And then I've always been active my entire life. I come from a family of seven siblings, so... Luckily, even though I have the di- the diabetes, I've been able to love working out, and um, I do bodybuilding uh, under the bikini division. So that's currently what takes up most of my time. <laughs> that, that's oh, no, great. I'm also I'm also a physical therapist. So I have a lot of I I somehow I don't know if it's because of the diabetes, but somehow I've just kind of gotten into the health the health occupation, loving working out and doing everything with health related kind of things. It's kind of interesting how that works, right? You just, you get introduced to like, you know, taking care of yourself and, and health and wellness early on. And that sort of sticks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know if maybe it's just cause I was, you know, do you, you, all you remember when you get diagnosed that early is going to all your appointments, going to the children's hospital for your appointments and, seeing other people and being introduced to other people in the health field. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. Yeah. I think you get more comfortable, especially, you know, from day one to, you know, day a thousand and beyond. Right. Uh, (laughs) With like being around hospitals and like, I I used to be very 
not uncomfortable, but I didn't like being in hospitals. And now I feel like I, whether through volunteering or for checkups or whatever the case is, I just feel more like, oh yeah, this is just a place where all this happens. Right. It's, it's kind of just secondhand nature almost, which is sad, but right. <laughs> just what happens. So uh, let's go back a little bit to kind of growing up. Uh, and I know we talked a little bit uh, about you having some stories uh, for parents of young type ones. And, and uh, when you're so, you know, three years old, you really don't do anything on your own at that point. Um, no. What was it like for you and your family? You said you had a lot of siblings. And if you remember those conversations or, you know, as you guys get together and talk about those days, like what are the things that uh, that you remember? Well, I remember my my parents chasing me around with uh, the needles because way back then, you know, they didn't have an insulin pump or anything like that. So it was the daily injections and, you know, four, five, six year old wants injections. And um, I just remember being chased around and trying to hide from them. And I'm sure that definitely wasn't easy on them. But I'm also a twin. So my twin sister didn't have to do this stuff and I you know I wouldn't understand you know why do I have to do this but she doesn't and then you know there's always a there always felt like there's a bazillion siblings around at the same time and I was the only one having to get the injections so that I'm sure that was difficult for them but they'd always my I remember my mom meeting me even like as far back in kindergarten meeting me at the flagpole at every single day she'd come to the flagpole at my school and test my blood sugar, you know, and then adjust accordingly, or I'd always have to have my twin sister in any class, any class I had, we'd always organize it every single grade. Um, but funny, something funny is we started kinder, we, we had the birth date where you could start kindergarten early or a little bit late. So we started it early and they wanted me to go forward the grade to graduate from kindergarten, but they wanted to hold back my sister just because she wasn't ready to go. She's going to kill me for saying this, but, um, this is like twin revenge for your life. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, so my mom, you you know, they they didn't want to separate us and they're like, no, 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 no. Her twin needs to be around and be by her. You know, she's diabetic. She needs to have someone around that knows what's going on or can help her. And so I ended up staying back and, and we took kindergarten for two years so that was kind of a funny, funny story. But um, the biggest thing that we always joke about for my twin sister and I is we thought when I got diagnosed that my mom would tell us we thought it was my sister's fault because like the day before or something, she had bit my arm and made a bite mark in it. And then all of a sudden I was in the hospital. So <laughs> it was it's just like a, a family story going on all these years that Gillian was the one that gave me diabetes because she bit me the day before and we got in a fight over it and so that was was kind of a funny thing that's funny like you can always have those like family inside jokes about you know (laughs) diagnosis days and like downplay those sort of stressful like impactful moments it's so stressful for the parents and I'm sure for my family um that I mean if you ask my mom she'll or my brothers and sisters, they'll remember like if my blood sugar was high, um, they they'd have me run up and down the stairs. My mom or dad would sit there and just have me run up and down the stairs to do be one of the ways to try to get my blood sugar down, and that's some of the things they remember. Or we had this family, this old family van, and if my blood sugar was high, they'd have me running just like back and forth in the van while they were driving. It was just, ugh. 
funny stuff like that. Now, now it's funny. But. Right. You know, then it's sort of like a, and even for them, I'm sure just the stressful or like, Oh no, what are we going to do now? Um, yeah. And especially with the way that technology has come like early on, there was really, you know, it was insulin injections and a meter that took forever to read or like keto sticks or something to mm-hmm. test your blood sugar. Right. So for parents then like that was you know that was sort of the best it got right there's you gave yourself a shot and then you had run up and down the stairs and hope that it comes down when i can't i can't even imagine how hard it is for parents like trying to get like a 10 year old at a birthday party not to eat the cake or as much of the cake because you know it's going to affect their blood sugar like a 10 year old doesn't care about that you know I uh, I re- recently was volunteering with JDRF at uh, Children's Hospital here in Dallas, and uh, there was a kid in there who I guess he was like 16, and we I, I go and I volunteer at the end of Diabetes 101, which is what the the class they give to parents and kids shortly after diagnosis. Uh-huh. And there was a family in there where I think the kid was probably going into high school, and he had been diagnosed very young as well, so. It was sort of a refresher, like as he goes to start doing more things on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were telling stories about how uh, he would, they would make him take the cake home from the birthday party and eat it later, <laughs> because <laughs> so that he, because he was always running around up and down, like munching on snacks. And they were like, "Yeah, okay, go do that, but uh, you're gonna have to eat the cake later." So he, uh, yeah. he was always like, he would see his friend just smashing cake around him, and he would Aww. always have to keep it later. I felt like, bad. Oh. For him like different rules but luckily i you know i had i I always bring her like my twin sister again she my parents wouldn't let me go spend the night at people's houses usually unless my twin sister was there like you know i'm sure it wasn't fun for her to go to someone's house that she you know wasn't friends with and oh i gotta go because of my sister but she's uh taking she's taking good care of me even in like high school we went because we both played basketball um, we went to this basketball camp and, you know, basketball camps, you're just going all day long, all day long, just up and down the court and burning a lot of energy. And that's, that's intense for a diabetic. And I guess my blood sugar just plummeted in the middle of the night. Like I wasn't even waking up and she had to run down this like college dorm room and get a Snickers somewhere and like shove it down my throat. And it's like, it's those kind of scary things that make you thankful for having that twin sister right next to you for most of your life when sometimes it's like, Oh, why can't I be by myself? And, but so you you always look at the positive kind of things for having all your siblings. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, even though she wasn't going through those same things, she kind of knew what to look for. It's that like tw- yeah. twin she intuition. Kind of anyways. <laughs> um, and you bring up a good point about like camp sport camps, especially for kids. Cause, uh, I was a very active and very competitive basketball player, but I was diagnosed when I was 16. So I had a little bit more experience, uh, you know, kind of going and doing those things on my own already. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, you go all day exercise is one of the sort of unsolvable puzzles for a lot of type ones because, yeah. you know, you either, are going through a situation where you're doing like a long uh, endurance type work, uh, exercise or a, like a, a run, uh, or you're doing like a high intensity or, uh, where, you know, your blood sugar spikes. So, I mean, even, even as kids, um, you know, it's super important to try to monitor that. And I, I remember like always when I would get to a camp, I would have to like figure out where the Gatorade was so that I could keep myself sort of in balance for the rest of the day. 
just in case because even though I didn't have a pump at the time, I was running on like Lantus, I think. So like a long basal, long acting. And that would, you know, after a long day of, uh, you know, running around and, and playing like, you know, you, you sit down at night, crash, and then you go low in the night. Right. And that, well, that's, it's so much more pre-planning than, than I guess the non-diabetics, they, they, they're not going to know how much pre-planning and post-planning or, or mid-planning for like a sports activity, how much it takes, like, before I go to the gym, because I'm working out about three and a half, four hours a day, because I have a competition coming up, and I'm working out three and a half, four hours a day, and it's like, I have to constantly, like, pre-plan, like, okay, I have my sugar tablets, okay, do I have enough um, blood sugar tabs to do, to to test myself, because I may have to test myself five times within the next hour and a half, two hours, it's just all this planning, but if you don't plan, it's... It, it's a lot harder if you don't plan, I guess, and things. It is, and, and I think uh, the other day I was sort of. This is sort of a hot topic for me because uh, I stayed later at work than I was planning on, uh, and but I was planning on going to the gym and playing just some open gym basketball last week, and I tested before I left the house, and I was like uh, seventy, so I drank a little bit of juice, and I like went up to the gym. And so I'm thinking, you know, I think I'm going to be okay, but I didn't know that, uh, I I don't have a CGM, so I didn't know what direction my blood sugar was heading, but apparently it was heading down. So about five minutes into the first game, I could just, I felt sluggish and lethargic. Um, and so I had to, you know, after the game was over, I had to go, you know, treat it, go, go upstairs to the little like concession stand at the gym and get like a sweet drink. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I was fine. But I was like, you know what? Like, I had this all planned. I only had a short window where I was going to go work out. And now it's sort of, like, ruined. So uh, that, that, that is exactly what I'm going because I don't have a CGM either. I just don't – I feel like the insulin pump – for me, the insulin pump is enough things being attached to me. So it's just – that's exactly what happened to me the other day. And it's like even if you do the pre-planning, sometimes you – it just doesn't work out. But – as far as like my, because I'm on such a strict diet, it kind of, it's kind of, it makes it kind of turn into a bad day a little bit because you do all this planning, you're on point with your workouts, you've done great with your meals, your your blood sugars have been pretty good, and then it crashes or goes up way high, and if you have to eat something, you're like, oh, that wasn't, I'm not supposed to eat that today. Well, so. and and you bring up a great point, and I and I want to focus on this. Um, because I think it's really important for you know people who are either trying bodybuilding or you know are really training hard for something, whatever it is, either a race or a competition or to make their high school basketball team or whatever. So as you're training for these competitions, especially in you know the time frame that you're in right now, it's pretty strict, like you said, what you what you eat. So it, in a case of like you know going and having a hypo or you know, going low at the gym or, or at night or whatever the case may be, how do you how do you balance that with even though you have to eat something, like eating something that's not going to kind of throw off your plan? Well, I I, I have a coach that he's obviously all about – I mean, I'm not going to let my I'm, – I'm not going to put my health, like, in that much jeopardy where I'm just not going to – if, my, if I, my blood sugar is like 45 and I still have to do – another 30 minutes of running, obviously I'm going to get off the treadmill and eat, eat some sugar tablets or something. Right. But it's just, it's, it's more mentally like, dang it. You know, those sugar tablets have a lot of calories in them for a reason. Cause they're full of sugar. And 
it's like, oh, now I have to do more cardio or I feel like I have to do more cardio. Even though my coach is like, don't worry, you're fine. It's still the whole like mental aspect of like, okay, well, I'm going to have to make up for it somewhere else. And I, But I think that's just bodybuilding because if it was like basketball and you get low, yeah, you can just go off and eat, you know, correct for the, the low that you have and then get right back to playing again. But with the, the bodybuilding stuff, it's so strict that um, anything extra that you go off the plan with is it's hard. Yeah. Right. So it sort of like compounds the, you know, even if you wouldn't feel bad about correcting the low normally, you know, you're kind of throwing a wrench in your plan and, you know, yes. it's because perfectionism is so much of a part of that. Yeah. And people are like, why? It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, unless they do that kind of thing. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. Right. <laughs> but that's why I think maybe that's maybe one of the reasons you don't, you just, I just I haven't actually met in person like another diabetic that does this kind of thing, so I'm kind of going off. That's why Phil Graham, you know, when I when he introduced himself um, on Instagram to me, I was just like, this is amazing. And then I read his book, and I'm like, you know, getting tips from him on that, and so it was just it was it was like a breath of fresh air to finally see other people that do the bodybuilding kind of thing that are diabetics because I just they're, it's just not common. It's it's not, and I and I think that feeling, not necessarily associated with bodybuilding, but like the feeling of being alone or that there's nobody else out there like you, is is common sometimes. And I think as you as we go through and and myself, I always talk about since I started being more open and more involved in the diabetic community, like my actual like health numbers, like my A one C has improved, and really like my I haven't changed my lifestyle that much. Um, and so it's very interesting just like knowing that there are other people out there that are testing their blood sugars six, seven times a day and (laughs) making corrections and like that it's okay if you have a high after a workout. Like when I, when I talk to people about like trying to, uh, plan for workouts and it not going well, like I identify with that so much just cause you know, I always beat myself up to try it because I like my teammates or, you know, my, my, anybody that I was working out with, like doesn't have diabetes. So they could they could handle like uh, a crazy day of conditioning or uh, a really long practice, but sometimes like if I wasn't totally prepared for every little thing that was coming up, uh, I would have to go sit out for fifteen minutes and drink a Gatorade or give myself some insulin and run around a little bit, and you know that just that, I don't know it was it was really hard for me when I thought that I was by myself and yeah, um, yeah it's very yeah it's very you know, I feel. Yeah, exactly. You just feel so alone. Like, no one understands. You can't really talk to someone that's not going through it about it. And it's more frustrating, I guess, sometimes, where I'm like, why am I doing this? But I'm so, like, I play, since I used to play basketball, I'm just competitive. Like, that's just, I need something to look forward to, a competition of some kind. Like, I, I do boxing, I do um, the, the mud, the Spartan mud run things too i just need something to look forward to <laughs> a goal because i'm all about the goals that i'm working towards so sometimes it's just frustrating when there's no one else that knows what you're going through or you feel like there's no one else that knows well and i think you hit on a couple really good points like i i talked to a lot of diabetics um which is great and fantastic so many of us are type a i don't know if it comes from uh, comes from like managing your own health and like numbers and really striving for, you know, that really great number. 
Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's so much of it. And I think it's frustrating because, like, this is the one thing that we can't win. You know, there's no, like, there's, yes. no, there's no finish line, right? So it's just That's like. So, that is so funny you said that because this morning I was thinking that exact thing. I'm like, I am totally type A. Like, I have everything planned out I, down to, like, the minute. Like, I have no, I, I don't have a lot of extra time with all the training lately. But it's like, people know I get anxious if things don't go my way as far as like time, time management. If something changes in my plan, (laughs) I I, like lose it. (laughs) So it's very type A kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, That actually reminded me you were talking, I had a coach, I guess it was after my freshman year of college. I like went to college with all these expectations that I was going to like do really well. And I had a like pretty rough year my first year. And so I went and was training at this place and at the end of this like long summer of a lot of training and like I had really improved a whole lot and my confidence was really high. Uh, the head guy, the program in my like exit interview was like, okay, what are you going to do when something doesn't go according to your plan? <laughs> and I was like 19 years old. So I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to keep working harder, keep working harder, blah, blah. And, and I meant that, but at the same time, like that, that's what, I think diabetes, having diabetes has taught me the most is that you can plan ahead all you want and feel like you're super prepared, but you know, something weird could happen. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you might be leaning up against a chair and your pump just, you know, bolus, you know, a bunch of insulin into you, uh, (laughs) you know, or come disconnected. I've been seeing a lot of like broke or uh, bent cannulas on, on people's like insertion sites on pumps on Instagram recently and like, you know, all of the highs that come along with that. And it's just like this thing that you cannot control, even though you like take all the right steps. Like sometimes there's still these crazy variables. Yeah. I always feel like, like if I, if I travel, people are like, well, do do you bring a carry on? I'm like, yeah. The one thing I have on my carry on is extra diabetes supplies. Cause I, I could care less if I lose all my clothing and all my makeup and shoes and all that stuff. I, as long as I have my diabetes stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be safer for me. But yeah, it, when I get, when I get really low in the body fat towards my, closer to my competition, it's like, I never know. I can never plan on, there's certain days where the, the insulin pump will work just great. And then it'll work for the right amount of time. And then there's some days where it's like, it's only been in for a day and all of a sudden my blood sugar shoot up and as soon as I change the site, it's different. So <laughs> I could never plan, you know, where what works the best and what doesn't. So as far as the bodybuilding stuff goes, it's it's I'm totally learning every single day what how I can try to do better more of the rhythm and schedule of as far as diabetes and the the intense training. I've also learned something new about like how blood sugars go up or down depending on what type of exercise. Like I never knew about that five years ago. I didn't know about that, but since I've been doing more research and trying to figure out, you know, some days I'll do a ton of cardio. Some days I'll do really high, you know, the hit training, the high intensity training, or some days it's just regular lifting weights. I mean, it just depends. And it's, but then that also affects your blood sugar. And I'm like, okay, great for me. That's just something extra. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, how, how do you respond to the different types of exercise? Cause I know some people are different. Um, so as you're, you know, looking out and breaking out your regimented workouts for the week and you're talking about either doing cardio or weights or high intensity intervals, 
you know, what do you, how do you prepare for those individual things as a type one? Well, as far as the, like the sprints and the high intensity stuff, I've noticed, this is just what I've noticed. I mean, again, there's always those days that just don't follow any kind of structure. Um, if it's like more of a high intensity stuff, plyos and sprints and what else do we do? Boxing. When I do high intensity boxing classes, um, it tends to, it tends to go up afterwards or, or, or it starts to incline. You know, I've, I've changed my insulin pump so that it adjusts to that a little bit, giving me more or less for the basal. But, um, yeah, so the high intensity stuff I've noticed kind of shoots me up. But then if it's just regular cardio, like, you know, 40, 50 minutes of cardio, just regular amount, it'll take like three or four hours later, and then all of a sudden my blood sugar will go down. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, the normal cardio lowers it. The high-intensity stuff shoots it up. So. Well, and, and I think the, you know, because I'm the same way. So um, a lot of it has to do with, like, stress, right, because there's a stress on your body and, like, a shock to your body, which is what I love about high-intensity workouts. Like, it's you get in, right. you get in, you get it done. Like, you're tired. You really feel like you've done something. And then, like, I start to feel that, like, I don't know, that – weird tingle in the back of my like mouth almost i'm like uh oh my blood sugar is high like and uh, and it almost like ruins it so it's like a weird you know at, I, I was telling somebody the other day like i went i woke up really early in the morning i got a great workout in and then immediately after i had this crazy roller coaster of blood sugars for the next hour and a half and i felt like man like this day already feels like like ruined even though i got this <laughs> great workout and then you're exhausted because it's like not exhausted from the workout, but you're exhausted from your body going through the up and down roller coaster of the high. At least that's how I feel. Oh, I'm I'm the same way, and I think like <laughs> there's all that research uh, when people talk about diet about you know lowering your glycemic index and eating you know more fat like the slow carb whole thirty paleo type diets where you know you don't want those big spikes in your blood sugar because. Mm -hmm that doesn't promote like, uh, you know, good energy for the full day. And I'm like, wow, like no wonder I'm so exhausted every time I have a big spike. Yeah. I'm trying to, there's certain days with my workouts cause so there's some work days that I have 10 hour work days. So that means I'm in the gym at like 4am from 4am to like 6:30am for the first part. Then I go to work for 10 hours, but then in the middle on my lunch, I finish my cardio. So it's, so it's a really long day, but I'm trying to work with my endocrinologist right now to figure out what I have to do because on those really long days where I work out really early in the morning, no matter what kind of workout it is, the second I get home, my blood sugar just starts spiking for the next hour, hour and a half, two hours, no matter, even if I take the right amount of insulin. So it's just, it just depends on the day too, like how much work I have or how little work I have or... <laughs> It's just, yeah, so it's definitely, like, I'm I'm always, always, always trying to learn, and like, my my fingers, my poor little fingers, man, I, I must test, like, ten times a day during the training stuff when things are so, like, crazy, so. Yeah, I, and I think it's, it's just one of those sort of realities that we have to just get comfortable with as type ones, mm -hmm. especially people who are trying to do kind of live outside the boundaries of like what normal people would consider, you know, to be fit or, and really trying to, to take ourselves to that next level and really push ourselves because there's just that extra piece. And I talk a lot about 
being a type one is a lot of like being a boy scout. Like you just got to be prepared for anything that comes and you got to add <laughs> that extra step. But it, it's even more in focus when you're, when you're kind of pushing yourself to that limit. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's, that's the whole point taking your body out of the, the comfort zone for the, to make changes to your body. You have to be out of the comfort zone. You can't nothing. None of this can be easy all the time. So that also means it's not going to be easy for the diabetes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, in that same kind of vein, uh, I know specifically there's a few difficulties that type 1s have with, or, and these may be, um, uh, these may not be 100% true, but I'm gonna, I want to ask you about them. So number one, I think people talk about insulin as like uh, a bodybuilding tool. So like, you know, as a quote unquote, like steroid, like protein, right? Uh-huh. So do you experience it like because you're on insulin, are you able to, does that help your mass gaining or anything or what, what's your, been your experience? Um, I don't, well, I don't, I'm going to say no, because like my, again, my twin sister, she is, I'm more, I gain muscle pretty easy. And if like the rest of my family didn't, and it was just me that looked all muscly, I might say, yeah, maybe the insulin has a little bit to do with it, but my my twin sister, she works out and she has plenty of muscle too, but she doesn't have the extra, you know, she doesn't have the diabetes. So I I'm gonna go with no, and especially because I do the the bikini division, so I have to look. It's a softer look as well. It's not um, it's not like the the physique where it's just humongous muscles on women. It's it's more of a softer look, what I do. So. Yeah, I don't, I've I've actually read read articles on that too, and I've always kind of wondered, but I don't really have. I, I am gonna go with the no. I don't think insulin. Yeah, and insulin. and I think it's one of those things where you know, as people who are not diabetic try to experiment with things like insulin or like you know wearing CGMs. Like I've been uh, reading a lot about these like Silicon Valley guys that like are su- try to be super super healthy, and they all wear Dexcoms. And really? like they're, yeah, they're, they're not even diabetic. So they're like trying to keep their, like the, the standard deviation or the variance of their blood sugar, like super, super tight. So they track oh it like all day long. Well, I've never, I haven't heard of that yet. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy. I was like, wow, like these guys really want to put this on them all day, every day I just know. to track all this. Fine. Good for them. And I'm like, the last thing I want to put on is my insulin pump. And they're like putting one on there. Oh. Yeah, and uh, what you mentioned earlier about not having a, a CGM is very similar to me. I think I felt like, especially when I was looking at a CGM, I tested one out like five or six years ago, and the technology wasn't that great back then. But um, I was like, man, I think one thing on my body is enough. But um, yeah, every single time I see a doctor or if I see a new endocrinologist, they always they always mention it. Oh, do you want a CGM? Let's try a CGM out. And I'm like, no, no, I just don't. Just you know, it as a as a female, it's like I already have to have this insulin pump hanging off of me. You know how hard it is to wear a dress with an insulin pump. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I saw some somebody posted about some products today. It's like a garter belt or like a garter on your leg or something that you can yeah, t- that you can tuck tried, your pump I've in. Tried I've tried it. Well, actually, I tried that when I first got diagnosed. Or no, not diagnosed. I tried it when I first got the insulin pump, like ten. 10 something years ago i'm like oh this little garter belt thing i can you know use that it it, it wouldn't even stay on my leg oh, no. so <laughs> yeah I, I i feel like oh, it's so tough and i and i know there's a lot of like really great type one uh female influencers who like 
they tuck them in their bra or they have like all these little hacks, tips and tricks for like hiding yeah. them. Um, yeah, I do the whole bra trick too. But, um, but actually my, you know, my family always, oh, did you see this new thing that they're working on and they're supposed to be doing this and this and research, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, all right, whatever. I'm like, send me the link. I'll look at it. Um, I guess the Apple company is coming out with possibly having the iWatch read monitor, like a CGM kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I've read that too. Of, of course, like everybody sends me that link. <laughs> Just like friends are like, hey, have you seen this? Yeah, um, and I was like, because I, I am obsessed with my, my iWatch or my Apple Watch for workout stuff. So I was like, that would be awesome. Like, I'd be interested in that. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, I was always curious too of like how it would work without like, you know, have, having some insertion, but I'm open to it. If Apple says it works, like it probably does. So I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty excited about or it. Or at least by the second or third version. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you brought up a good point about, uh, you know, just having one thing on you uh, as it relates to like fitness competitions as well, because uh, scar tissue is certainly an issue, yeah, especially with insulin pumps. Um, and, you know, you have had uh, type one for a long time. So, you know, how do you, how do you combat like scar tissue or, you know, do you switch up your sites pretty regularly? What, what does that look like? Yeah. So every like, you know, like three, three to four days, um, I'll switch the sites. So it's, you know, the basic ones, the stomach, the hip and the thighs for me anyways. So that's six different places, but, and I rotate them all, but even with me rotating them all and, you know, switching as often as I do, I'm starting to get like some scar tissue on one of my thighs. And then when I get down to such low body weight, cause I get down to like eight, 9%, it, you know, it's, it's more visible to me. I don't, it's not visible to anybody else, but it's visible to me. But then I've noticed the one thing I have um, problems with is like my lower abdomen is where women carry more of their body fat. And then, so mine kind of sticks around just a tiny, tiny bit. Like, again, no one thinks it's bad, but it's a little bit of scar tissue where I, where I put my, my insulin pump over the past million years. And so what I've learned to do is when it gets closer to competition, I'll stop putting the insulin pump on my abdomen because th then it seems to work. Um, it, it, Plus, the insulin pump works better if I stick to my thighs and my hips, where I kind of maintain more of the of the body fat towards the end of my when I get closer to my competition, because the the abs just pop out and you just you you really don't have any body fat there anymore, so it doesn't like circulate the insulin as well either. Hmm. So that's what I found. So I kind of stay away from using it towards the closer I get to a show, and then I go right back to it afterwards, but. Yeah, I, I am starting to get like some scar tissue, and some people have told me they stopped using the insulin pump because they start forming scar tissue. Yeah, I, I've I interviewed um, a woman who's a, a bikini competitor, uh, and she uses pens um, so that she can kind of, I think, vary up where she injects as she gets closer to competition. Because, like you said, you can you can switch up locations, and it'll kind of reduce that inflammation, but. You know, like you said, we we have no we use it for a long time, so it's gonna build up some sort of scar tissue. Um, yeah, it just I I wouldn't know. I've used I've been on the insulin pump for so long that I'm like nervous not to be on it. <laughs> oh yeah, I was thinking about uh, like potentially getting off the other day, like what that would take mentally for me. I was like, no way, I'm, this is way this is a comfort zone. I don't feel like leaving. This is this is right because you have that baseline, and then the, <laughs> the bowl is, and it's like. 
it you know it's like a, your second brain it just like you just type in numbers and it does it for you and i'm like eh, i don't eh, i don't remind you things and i'm like i don't know about that <laughs> yeah yeah i'm, I'm uh, like i can't handle that right i can't break up with my insulin pump yet yeah i'm i'm there with you it's uh it's it's i resisted it so much i when i was younger cuz i was like oh well this is not cool this is not sexy like nobody's going to think this is awesome <laughs> and then like the first week i had it i was like whoa why did i wait so long for this this is awesome uh, yeah, it took it took my doctors a while to finally convince me to do it, and I was like, "Oh, fine, let's do it." But yeah, yeah, people are always like, "You have a pager still? They still make pagers?" And I'm like, "No, it is not a pager." <laughs> yeah, but it does. It's like it does look like one, and also this is just a this is something I rant about frequently. Is like I have this great iPhone, right? Um, that I can log on to the internet on a plane and get my email or get on Instagram like thirty thousand feet above sea level. And my, um, like, $10,000 insulin pump still has a Game Boy screen. So. Yes! That's what I was telling someone. I'm like, because they asked me, that one of my patients at work, they asked me, why is it so, why is it so big? Like, why does it look like an old school pager? And I pulled out the little vial of insulin. I'm like, this is what it's covering. Like, this is the only thing I need out of this thing. And, yeah, like, they, and I used the iPhone, too, for an example. I'm like, you know how... I mean, the little chip that's in the iPhone, why can't they make a little chip and just the vial and it could be like the size of a pen? Like You're preaching to the choir here. I, <laughs> I hear you. Um, so. so sort of in that same vein, like, you know, there's so much technology out there. There's like new pumps, like artificial pancreas, kind of like closed loop systems coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do believe it's the best time to be a type one if there ever was such a thing. Um, oh, yeah. What are you, what are you hopeful for? Um, you know, now and in the next few years as it relates to sort of your type one? As far as like technology? Technology or anything really, um, just in, in general, research, uh, you know, causes, found, whatever the case is. I kind of I kind of rant about it all the time. I just, I hope like to my own patients that have like type two diabetes and I, I really, really, really try to educate them like, well, first of all, the difference between type one and type two, but I, I want people to not take it for granted. Like, don't just be like, oh, I have type two. It's no big deal. Like, I'll just take a pill or something. And I and I, I use myself an example. Like, I don't get that choice. You know, like I, I got this when I was so young. And so I try to educate people uh, or my patients to try to be healthier. And I just want I just want everybody to like just try to stay away from at least the type two diabetes. I know we're talking about the type one, but um, it's just being type two. It, it, I, I always, it always puts me on a soapbox when I ask someone, I'm like, why do you have type two diabetes? And then they just, they can't really tell me why. So, um, but I just hope people become more educated about it and that the res- I know there's plenty of research going on, but it's one of the top pillars, right? Uh, yeah absolutely it is and i think like it's it's also like one of the fastest growing i think yeah and so it's just i wish it would be up higher as far as what people are concerned with when it comes to like funding and research and again i know people are doing great job at doing the research but i feel like i mean like obviously cancer and you know diabetes i feel needs to be up there a little bit higher because it's such a high fatality rate with that but I'm, I'm really excited I don't really get a, too excited when like we were talking about earlier when my family 
like sends me some links or my friends tell me about stuff that they heard about that sounded really cool and promising. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great. I'll wait till it comes out and see how it goes. But like things like I hope in the future with all this technology, like the things like the Apple Watch, if it could read my blood sugar and, you know, connect to my insulin pump somehow, like that kind of stuff. That's what would excite me for the future. Yeah. And I think it's really I was I was talking with about this with one of my uh, type one friends the other day in a non-podcast uh, function, uh, the like the burnout you can get from people sending you stuff, like cure burnout is what she called it. And she's like, you know, people have been telling me there's going to be a cure for 30 years. And she's like, it's not that I don't want to hear it anymore, but I like have to temper how excited I get about it because, you know, it re- I'll, I'll see something cool and then they'll talk about it a lot. And then a year or two later, like it won't even happen, you know? Yeah, that's how I feel because, yeah, I'll get the link and I'll be like, they'll be like, well, you don't sound too excited. And I'm like, well, I mean, when it when it gets further in the in the pro- the process, you just let me know. <laughs> right. Or like send me one like I'll gladly take one. Right. Yeah. I think the last thing I heard my sister told me about was there's an injection like I don't know if you know anything about this. There's some kind of injection now that they're hoping to do and then you get it like every six months and that's all you have to do. Yeah. Um, there's a couple things that. JDRF talks about a lot like one is inscapulation which is like they put a little like pod in your in your body and it gives you like enough insulin for like 6 to 24 months or something um, yeah like that is, kind of which would be great right <laughs> yeah uh, and then there's also like smart insulin where you like give yourself one injection a day and then like it circulates through your blood sugar and releases as needed mm-hmm. um, and so it's like one injection a day which is like not so bad um really monitor it too much <laughs> yeah it, it, does, it like does all the monitoring by itself i don't know it, it's pretty cool that i mean i'm encouraged by the technology um mm-hmm. do i think like they're you know we're going to get really close to a to living with a cure you know it's going to be very you know minimal adjustment in the future i think in the next 10 to 15 years which makes me happy for people who are going to be diagnosed with it yeah um, and then also, you know, talking to people like even like you, like how far we've come in the last 30 years, 50 years, mm-hmm. where really, you know, less than 100 years ago, people just got type one and died. So um, oh. it, I don't know. I, I'm encouraged by it. At the same time, there's like so many other things that start with what you talked about at the beginning, like just taking your health a little bit more seriously and like giving yourself the best chance. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of talking to people about type one. This is a question I always ask at the end of uh, sort of podcast interviews as we kind of like wrap up. Um, say like, and, here, and I got to set the setting. So like you're in an airport, there's like 30 seconds before they're going to close the gate at your, at, your, at the, at, you know, to your flight. You got to be on it. You can't miss it. But you run into somebody who was either recently diagnosed or is struggling with their type one. Uh, what's the one thing that you say to that person? That it really, really sucks. <laughs> but the only body you get and you have to take care of it no matter what it's the only one you get you can't return it that's true because like (laughs) it's interesting and i even like put this in an email that i sent out the other day is like most there's a there's a variance of answers to that question and most of them are the same but i love that yours is like grounded in reality it's like yeah this sucks (laughs) like let's not sugarcoat it um, and yeah. like, I, you know, if we're all being honest, we wish we didn't have it. Right. But yeah, you know, this... no one wants it, but you got to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think like there's so many steps and like resources and like ways that you can do that, like over time, 
what I like about my own sort of like walk with diabetes is that I feel like I'm getting better at it as time goes on, mm-hmm. which makes me encouraged. Like if I'm, if I'm here today, maybe 10 years from now, I can be even better at it. So it's sort of a yeah. long, like a long game. Yeah. I'm always trying to, I'm always learning the ins and outs of it and I've had it for 30 plus years. So just, I mean, you could always, you always, of course the whole, you know, don't give up. It's okay. You're going to be fine. Yeah, that's all true, but you know, you gotta take care of yourself. Otherwise, you know, you just gotta take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what it all comes down to, right? Yeah. Um, well, Courtney, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come on and chat today. I, I really loved our conversation. Um, it, it, I think we have a lot of same viewpoints and a lot in common, and that was super refreshing. Yeah, thank you so much. This was fun. So. If uh, some of our listeners wanted to like contact you or follow you on social media, uh, where can they do that? Um, on Instagram, I'm at cornnut34. <laughs> Don't it's I know it's a crazy name. Um, C O R N U T three four. I feel like there's a, a backstory to that. Well, actually, basketball in it's from like high school. I used to eat a lot of those like old school cornnut things. <laughs> Got it. So that was my nickname, and then my basketball number was thirty-four. So I've always just, I've always just kept it. <laughs> yeah, that was that's the funny thing. Like my my Rob Howe twenty-one handle, like twenty-one was my basketball number, and mm-hmm. like my Gmail is even like my first Gmail is like rhow twenty-one. And I was in like this beta group because one of my friends got me in like one of the first like ten thousand Gmails or something. I totally could have had just like Rob Howe. Like I totally could have just had Rob Howe on Instagram, but I wait, but I put twenty-one on there because I was like, yeah. This will matter my whole life. <laughs> yeah, so it's like now nowadays I'm like, uh, I wish I would have just changed it back, but now I'm too lazy to do that. So. Yep. Now, now, I'm, now I'm now I'm too deep in the game. I got to keep it at Rob Howe yes. one. So uh, great. Well, we um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, we will. Cornet, it's easy. <laughs> um, well, great. Thanks again so much for coming on, and uh, you know, looking forward to. You'll have to let us know how uh, how your competition goes. Oh, yes. End of July in Vegas. I'm excited. Well, uh, we'll definitely kind of include that uh, a little like a follow up with uh, when we publish this in the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind the scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.